Welcome to a new episode of Shades of Grey. Our very special guest today is Ramya Joseph, CEO and founder of Pepin, the world's first AI financial advisor, and also a very dear friend of mine. She has an background with Wall Street. Hi, Ramya. And an even more fascinating journey into AI and software development. So, Ramya, let's talk about your journey towards entrepreneurship. What prompted you to leave your Wall Street job and start Pepin? No, it's a great question. Um, so prior to starting Pepin, I, I actually had a pretty successful career at Goldman. Um, I was in trading at Goldman. And during the credit crisis, my father unexpectedly lost his job, like a lot of other people, and was faced with an unplanned early retirement. I come from a really middle-class background, and now I started to look at his retirement from Social Security rules to tax rules to Medicare to his own finances, and it really took me weeks to sort through his retirement. Uh, and when I went down to Maryland, where I grew up, and showed him the steps that he could take to retire comfortably, uh, the relief he felt was palpable. And that was a real watershed moment for me. And、uh, at this, you know, and that's when I really started to think about how do millions of people who Are generally well off,、uh, oftentimes well educated,、um, access good financial planning and advice in a way that is truly fiduciary in nature. And I played with the idea for about six months before I actually picked up the nerve to resign from my job and、uh, and start Puffin full time. Great.、Uh, there are seven opportunities in this space.、Uh, coming from a Wall Street job, or opportunities that、uh, wealth management and and、uh, confluence of wealth management and、uh, technology, particularly artificial intelligence, have out there in the market. So, what are the biggest opportunities from you? Where you where you stand? Where do you think the the biggest opportunities are? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. I think one of the biggest opportunities that In general, digitization as well as AI can provide is providing the sort of personalized services that a high-touch model would provide to people that really cannot afford that high-touch model. And this does two things, right? One, it opens up access to customers who otherwise could not avail of planning or good financial advice or Really good wealth management services, simply because it's very expensive to to service、uh, these customers、um, using high touch models. The second thing it does is it creates efficiencies and scale within B two B organizations. So if you are a wealth manager, a registered investment advisor, an asset manager, for example. Trying to broaden your customer base or trying to access a customer profile that is otherwise incredibly challenging to do so, it is really through the type of personalization that technology like AI can offer and the type of scale that digitization can offer that those efficiencies can really come about. And so I think when we think broadly about that industry and where it's headed. Um, technology is going to be a forefront in 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 its growth, right? In its in its order to both create efficiencies, a scale, and also access customers that are otherwise much more challenging to service and access. 
I absolutely agree. I think that's why I'm always so fascinated about what technology can do, right, to broaden the reach, to include more people. Um, and I guess, you know, especially for demographics that we otherwise do not have access to. So let's switch gear a little bit. Knowing what you know now, you know, having spent a few years into the startup journey and finally decided to take the plunge from Wall Street, what would you have done differently? Um, you know, wish I had a crystal ball that could, you know, have hindsight, you know, be my friend. But I would say anybody who's ever started a company or has contemplated, you know, starting something, their number one challenge will be building out a team. And I, and I don't mean just like hires, like a real team, a really cohesive team that comes together. The talent pool, at least in New York and areas like San Francisco, D.C., Austin, it's tremendously competitive. I mean, we're constantly, we have to fight with Google to get employees, right? And uh, I wish if, if, what I wish we had done a little bit sooner, which we're doing right now, is think about um, our team as not just being based in one office, but to think about it as a team we can build nationally and even internationally. That's really hard for startups to do because startups in the early age days are always about let's build, let's build, let's ship, let's get customers, let's do distribution, let's move, 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 move. To think globally about your team actually requires pausing all of that and thinking much more structurally about how you, how your team communicates and evolves and grows. And we're doing that now as we kind of head into the, our, our growth and our scale mode. Um, we're opening up an office in India. We have employees all over the U.S. from California to Virginia. But I wish I had done it earlier because it, it would have perhaps widened our, our access to a really incredibly talented pool of individuals, not also to mention a set of individuals that are very smart and talented, but maybe have constraints around needing to work from home. In the early days, we weren't as flexible. We were like, you had to come into the office. You had to be New York-based. And I think that if I were to give startups any advice right now, is to say your team will make or break you. And think big, think broadly, because that's one thing you you know that 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 can really help you grow and accelerate and bring good ideas to the table. Think about it, right? That what resonates a lot is we always say talents can be found yeah. everywhere, right? In different corners of, of the world. So opportunities there is just not evenly distributed. And so I am so happy to hear you say that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many people who just can't pick up and move to an expensive city like um, New York or California, right? But who's to say that they're not incredibly, incredibly talented? And and I've seen it. I mean, I've definitely seen um, the talent now that, you know, we're no longer, you must be in New York, that's out there and that's willing to to work. The, 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 the key, though, is to take that little bit of extra effort and integrating them into a culture. And you know, when I'm thinking about like an India office, you know, our director of India asked a really smart question to me when he, before he joined. And he's like, what do you see for PEF in India three to five years from now? And I'm like, we stop calling it PEF in India. It's just PEF in. You know, I'm like, it's not a thing. It's it's like you're part of the full, full organizational structure that is PEF in. And to bring that 
value system and that culture in a way that resonates with the employees of a different region is going to be a, a key focus area for us in addition to the, all the operations and the setting up of the team and et cetera that we have to go through. So if you're a startup, like just starting out, you know, really think about it now because it only gets harder to do it later if you have the bandwidth to do it now, right? So. Perfect. Uh, so, um, Ramya, you've, you're the founder of uh, PFN. You've uh, quit the Wall Street job. You've started this uh, this journey. You've been successful so far. You've been featured in several uh, top uh, publications out there. You've won awards. You've got an India office. You're expanding and all that. So, what do you foresee for the next three years? Where do you want to be? What What are your kind of uh, goals for the next three years? So where I see Pepin is really to be a global AI solution provider for banks and institutions. Um, we are in three countries today. Um, we plan to be in a total of eight countries in uh, the next two years and up to 15 in three to five years. And, and the way I see AI evolving is I don't think there's going to be 50 different types of good AI, right? Just like there's Google and there's Bing in AI and search, right? There's going to be a small consortium of best-in-class AI, and we want to be in the top three. We think we have a good head start. We're very focused on the problem, but that's where I want to be, is we are the go-to or one of the top three go-to solution providers when a bank or institution comes to it, is making that decision about how do we digitize, how do we use AI, how do we service our customers better and more efficiently. Our name comes to the top of their list. And that's, that's where I, I want us to be. We would like to give a mention to our creative partner, Tremendousness. Tremendousness is a creative agency that uses visual thinking, information design, and storytelling to help organizations explore and innovations, products, and processes. Learn more at www.tremendo.us. Continuing that thought, right? Starting a business is hard. Of ethnic minority is even harder. I mean, you need boxes, you check all the boxes. <laughs> so yeah. what advice would you have for somebody um, who, who want to do that? Um, that, is, that is a very, very good question. So it's getting easier, right? To be a woman, to be a woman founder, to be a woman co-founder. It is getting easier. It's not that, but it's not going to get easy overnight. So all I can tell people is two things. One is you're going to have to face the downs to get to the ups, which means feel yourself for rejection because tons of people that aren't going to get your business model, that aren't going to get what you do or, or believe that you can pull it off, right? And, and I'm saying this from a person who started the company when I was like, nine months pregnant with my first child, right? So, you know, as a woman, you go through all the stuff of, can I raise capital when I have a baby bump, right? And all of that will go through your head. And all I can say is, you know what? There's going to be enough people that no matter what you do to convince them otherwise are not going to change. That being said, there is the flip side to that. There are enough people that will listen to the words coming out of your mouth 
who will listen to your business idea, who will see you for your execution potential, and will judge you on that. And the goal is to just get past the nose quickly. Don't sit down in them. Don't mire yourself down in them and keep moving forward. That being said, as a woman, I will say the importance of building a very, very good support network around yourself. Um, it's not easy, but you will encounter many, many situations where you're going to need advice. You're going to need emotional support. You're going to need family support. And I wish I could say that I'm some superwoman that did it all on my own. But really, I have a tremendously good support network between family, friends, spouses, and professional colleagues that I was able to just feel through very difficult situations. So I would say build that network is going to be essential. And it's probably true for every entrepreneur, but I will say as a woman entrepreneur, and if you ever want to have kids, it's going to be even more true for you. So that would be my two cents, you know, and reach out to other free entrepreneurs because trust me, we're willing to help each other. The amount of, like, if, if an entrepreneur reaches out to me and I, and I have the bandwidth and you actually have, you're not just, you know, you have a clear ask, right? Don't just be like, I want a coffee. Be like, I, this is what I want to ask you. Can I get your time? Um, I'm always willing to help, right? And so go out there and re- reach out to people who are willing to kind of support you through your, through your entrepreneurship. Perfect. So the, there's, uh, there's something that I have to ask you here, which is uh, very similar to the lines that uh, Theo, similar to the question that you asked. So on very few occasions here, um, when there is an ethnic minority entrepreneur, um, be it a woman or a man, uh, going ahead starting a business, and especially when they come to the fundraising aspect of it, sometimes they are given yep. an advice to uh, find a co-founder who looks different. I don't want to get more mm. specific than that. Who looks different? Right. Um, so how, how is the VC world treating you? I'm sure you've come across fundraising campaigns that you have to run. Yeah, I'm sure you've had uh, several meetings and several encounters with, um, with a venture capitalist. So how, how do they treat you? Um, I would say I have not faced that. Okay. So I, but I will, I will caveat it with why. I think we get past the, you don't look a certain way or all of your, your team is very, in my case, Indian, right? Your team's very Indian or whatever. Um, when you start showcasing the product and the business opportunity, right? It's very hard for people to get mired down in their biases if you actually have a product that you can build or you have built and to um, can showcase that someone's willing to pay for it. So... In that case where, you know, I'm not a believer that a different a founder or co-founder that looks different from you is going to do anything unless, in fact, it helps somehow with your ability to execute, which is incredibly rare. So, so I would say, frankly, I never listened to any of that stuff where, you know, somebody was like, you know, you should have a, a, a somebody who's American or somebody who doesn't look like you, whatever. You know, I'm going to hire people based on the quality of their merit. I don't care what you look like, right? Um, because I know at the end of the day, all of that stuff will dissipate because I have, I'm on the line to execute. I'm on the line to prove that whatever I say I can build, I will build, and that I will actually build a business out of it as well. So yes, 
you're going to hear it. It's up to you to decide what to do with it, right? And I just chose to focus squarely on execution and just say, look, if you're going to be biased anyway, you're probably not going to be the investor that I want as the firm because any investor is also, they're a partner. They're they're part of your business. They're the people you're going to be speaking to a lot. And if, if you can't even agree fundamentally on those basics, you're probably going to butt heads on something else down the road anyway. So think carefully if you have an investor like that coming at your door, whether you even want them there in the first place. For any of our listeners, if you are not already in love with this amazing lady, you should by now. Um, on that note, my last question uh, is, what is your favorite book? And what are you reading right now? I don't know if I have a favorite book. I mean, I have a lot of, like, I read a lot. So I, you know, probably the, the book I'm reading right now is AI Superpowers by Kai Fu Lee. And, and the reason I started reading it is because I, I went to the UK and I had a really interesting chat with one of our potential business partners there on just how far ahead uh, China is in terms of AI. And, and you know, him and I are just commiserating on this and we're just like, you know, Silicon Valley doesn't have a, doesn't, it's like leagues behind where China is and, and things like that. And I think Kai Fu Lee is obviously the, like one of the most renowned experts on this topic and he has, he brings a very unique perspective. So it's always been a book on my to-do list. Um, in terms of a favorite book, wow, you're probably going to, it's going to sound really stupid, but like I have a, I have a book club with my daughter, <laughs> so seven years old, and we just finished reading Charlotte's Web, which I read when I was a kid. And I would say that, you know, I still read it and I'm like, wow, you know, it's still such a great book. <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a literary classic, but it's such a good book for kids, and and um, I I think it's one of those few books I can read and still enjoy as an adult. So don't quote me on it being my favorite, but I would say it's it's always had a place in my heart. But um, but in terms of what I'm reading now, um, I think that the world is finally realizing AI is not what they see on TV in the form of shows like Black Mirror, that it has true capability and potential in the world um, and, you know, how do you raise awareness um, about the potential of AI um, without one, scaring people, threatening people that it's going to take away their job, um, and, and three, really embracing it as a technology that can open doors for actual individuals in addition to growing business. So it's, I think that's where my head is right now is to really understand how, how to frame that problem in a way that our partners, that financial institutions, the banks, the people who want to work with us really understand that we're here to sort of facilitate that growth, right? So yeah. More workbooks than I would care, but <laughs> but it's good work for good purpose. And uh, one day over dinner, you and I will exchange notes on the book because I read that one too. And um, uh, last year, and I and I was uh, sitting at a keynote that he was presenting some of his views, and and you know it's it's, it's fascinating. And I agree with you. We need to uh, we need to be able to um, highlight the potential and ability of leveraging AI to do good. 
Um, and there's this AI is actually created by humans. So it never loses its humanity, right? As long as you have a human being creating it, it's um, how do you how do you keep that sense that it's still for humans, right? And um, it's just something I think a lot about um, as we try to stay on the forefront of technology at Peffin, right? So um, uh, it's it, to not create technology for technology's sake, but to create technology that people actually need and want to use. And that's, that's a fine line you often tread. Um, and it's important to tread it well. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ramya. And best of luck. Um, with your adventure I'm sure you'll be amazing and uh, I can't wait to hear more next time so thank you so much for joining us in the show today cheers Ramya thank you Aaron. alright thank you Theo much appreciated 